Memorial Health System provides compassionate, patient-centered care with some of the most advanced technology and treatment options available in healthcare today. We proudly present Memorial Health Radio. Here's Melanie Cole. Heat-related illnesses can be severe, and they are most often preventable. My guest today is Dr. Tyler Hill. He's the Medical Director of the Emergency and Urgent Care Services at Memorial Health System. Dr. Hill, let's start with a lesson for the listeners and myself as well. What happens in our body when we're exposed to extreme temperatures? Well, Melanie, first off, thank you for having me. This is a this is an honor to be a part of this. Um, so as we're coming into the summer months, heat uh, injury, heat illness uh, is a big, big part of um, what we deal with in the emergency department. And when when the elderly or athletes or those that are outside for extended periods of time are um, are exposed to extreme temperatures during the summer months, our body begins to try to expel this heat so that our core temperature, those that is involved uh, closest to our our, um, our important organ, remains normal. So our blood vessels begin to dilate so that that blood can get to the periphery, to our skin, which is where the heat is expelled. So we start to see our heart rate and our respiratory rate increase as a result of all of this increased demand on our body, which involves oxygen consumption and our metabolic rate. So heat-related illnesses, that's what we're talking about today. And there's a bunch of different ones that we've heard words bandied about, heat stroke, heat rash, heat exhaustion. Tell us about the differences between those? Are there certain levels, like graduating levels of heat-related illness, and, and where does it start then? Yes. So there are definitely several levels. So starting out, you have your kind of less severe cases where you may get a heat rash, and this is typically kind of small pimple-like areas where the skin's slightly raised, typically in skin folds or where there's clothes contacting the skin, typically where there's moisture that's been on the skin for prolonged periods of time. And and essentially, this is an acute inflammatory process of the sweat ducts that are blocked by all of this excessive amount of fluid for a period of time. And then you kind of move up the ladder. You get heat cramps. These are typically in our athletes or the elderly population that aren't acclimated to the environment. Um, We see it in military personnel, and um, th- this is typically when you're sweating for a prolonged period of time and you have not replaced it with the appropriate fluids, such as um, sports drinks or other drinks that have the appropriate electrolytes in them. So people tend to drink a lot of water when they're out, but sometimes if you're losing too much of those important electrolytes like your sodium, you'll start to have cramping that's more associated with the electrolyte imbalance. And then you move up towards heat exhaustion, <clears throat> which is typically the less less severe between that and heat stroke. So heat exhaustion, you're just fatigued as a result of the extreme um, um, temperature, the extreme situation that you've placed your body in that it's not quite ready for it, or you haven't prepared for it uh, with um, certain um, situations of exercise beforehand, appropriate hydration, and so forth. And then the most severe type is heat stroke, which is what we tend to deal with in the emergency department. 
So this is a medical emergency, and it occurs when the body gets to a core temperature of 104 degrees or higher, and typically there's a CNS dysfunction, meaning a central nervous system dysfunction where the individual's confused or they're having stroke-like symptoms, seizures, things along those lines, and also the body has to be exposed to a hot environment for a period of time. So those are kind of the, the, the components of heat stroke. And then you can break heat stroke down from there to a classic heat stroke versus an exertional heat stroke. So the classic heat stroke is where we see more of this in our elderly population, where they don't necessarily have to be doing anything active-wise, but if they lose power or they're just out in the environment for too long of a period, their body is not as well acclimated to uh, expel the heat as someone maybe that's younger because of skin reasons. Um, they don't have the, the same type of skin that someone that's younger does. They're on certain medications. Their body can't expel it with the certain vasodilation that we talked about earlier, or their heart rate can't get up to the certain um, um, level that, that someone that younger can. And then the other type is the exertional heat stroke that we see in our athletes or military personnel or someone that's just really overdoing it outside. So those are the, those are the kinds of levels of heat issues that we that we deal with. So then as we learned about those levels, and thank you so much for that, Dr. Hill, what a great explanation of them all. And you made them so understandable. Now, as they start to progress, what symptoms would we know? And I really want you to tell us about what we do if we spot any symptoms as they begin. I mean, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to just really keep hydrated? Is that enough? Do we take salt tablets? Do we, what are we supposed to do? So tell us those first symptoms and, you know, when it becomes something that you really need to do something about and what do we do? Yeah. So I would encourage anyone, once you start to feel overheated, you start to feel a little more fatigued than, than you normally would if you were doing the same type of labor in a cooler environment. You start vomiting, your skin starts getting very red, you feel like you're going to pass out, then the next step, you need to try and remove as much clothing as you can that's appropriate for that situation, that environment. And then I would also encourage you or someone else around you to start spraying the individual that's suffering from these symptoms with some cool water or misting them with, with water and then placing them in front of a fan. This allows for what we call evaporative cooling, which is one of the most effective and easiest things that we can do outside of the hospital to, to aid in rapid cooling of the patient. And also to get that individual in the shade or some other cool area, you're essentially getting them out of that environment. That is, that is vital. And then frequent breaks, if you can, uh, and, and that's accompanied by fluid intake during those times with water and mixing those with sports drinks so that you're replenishing your body with the appropriate electrolytes. And you don't want to try and consume too much of that all at once. So trying to take frequent breaks leading up to that. But if they do kind of overwhelm themselves with some heat exhaustion or you start experiencing those or these other symptoms, it will be important to start slowly getting those sports drinks in them. And then also another thing that you can do is begin to pack the neck, the armpits, the groin with some cold packs, cold cloths. Those are the important areas that expel heat. So you want to get that environment as cool as possible. When is it emergent? So anytime anyone 
that is exposed to the heat, their temperature's starting to go up, if they start to develop symptoms such as confusion, they start hallucinating, seeing or hearing things that aren't there, they have difficulty walking, we call that ambulatory dysfunction or ataxia, um, seizures, they're passing out. Those are the most important symptoms where you're at the heat stroke level. And we say get to the emergency department and begin those other things, removing the clothing, packing their, their neck, their armpits, they're growing with, with uh, cold packs. And then some other severe symptoms can be vomiting, severe weakness, their heart rate is beating really, really fast, or they're breathing really fast. Those are all the concerning things of saying, this is an emergency, seek help as soon as possible. Wow, such important information. And tell us about preventing it in the first place. Are there certain clothes that we can wear? I mean, as I said, hydration, obviously very important. But what do you want us to know about prevention? Yeah, so prevention, obviously, is what we want. Um, which is the purpose of this discussion, I think, is trying to keep as many many people safe as possible during these summer months. So lightweight, breathable clothing is important for those that are working in extreme temperatures or outside when it's, when it's very hot. Um, so we, we often advise our athletes to take frequent breaks during exercise. Same thing with, with those that are having to be exposed to extreme temperatures for prolonged periods. We say we want them to take frequent breaks with consumption of fluids, of sports drinks mixed with water, um, and, and to consume about five to six milliliters of fluids for every kilogram that they weigh. So again, that's five to six mLs of fluid per kilogram of their body weight. And then that's done every two to three hours. So again, those frequent breaks, consuming those types of fluids in that amount. And then also... Um, Remember, if you do begin to feel these symptoms, just go ahead and take a break. Lay down in the shade, get a fan on you, things along those lines. If you even begin to feel like you're overdoing it, that can prevent you from climbing the ladder in the severity of, of heat-related illness. Really great advice. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with us about heat-related illness, heat stroke, and really to tell us whatever we missed in this segment? Yeah. So I, I think my last Thing that I would like to advise is bringing awareness to never leaving anyone, any family, friends, loved ones, anyone in a hot car for a prolonged period. So this is something that we see every summer that is very preventable. Just be sure to be very aware, even when you're going through a parking lot, to make sure that animals, babies, kids, elderly are not sitting in the car. It is all ages, animals too. Um, it, it happens, and, it, and again, it's something that is very preventable. It certainly is. Thank you so much, Dr. Hill, for all the great advice. It's certainly very usable, and thank you again for sharing your expertise. That wraps up this episode of Memorial Health Radio with Memorial Health System. Head on over to our website at mhsystem.org for more information and to get connected with one of our providers. If you found this podcast as informative as I did, the information was great and so important. Please share it with your friends and family on social media, and be sure to check out all the other interesting podcasts in our library. I'm Melanie Cole.